Welcome to Workplace Trends with Liz Elam. I'm Liz, and I'm obsessed with the future of work and all things co-working. In our first season, we'll be focusing on one of my favorite things to roll around in my brain, design. We'll be interviewing specialists from all over the world in this five-part series, and we'll be exploring revolutionary design, new models, and the future of health and wellness in design. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. As you already heard, my name is Liz Elam, and I am super excited to invite Tori Shepard to the room with me today. Hello, Tori. Thanks for having me, Liz. Hello, everyone. So good to have you. We're going to start out with the speed round, and then we'll get into who you are and where in the world you are and all that fun stuff. Okay. So design-centric and some (laughs) Australia-specific. So first is Ikea. Is it a yes or a no? I'm going to say it depends on the item. I love their plant and pot selections, and I have heard that they have a great affordable sit-stand desk solution for your home Mm -hmm. office, so look for that. Okay, awesome. Open plan, yes or no? I'm going to say yes. I know that might be controversial to some, but only as long as it's accompanied by other diverse spaces to meet the needs of your various employees. So I myself need quiet nooks or rooms to get away and focus. So I think the combination is definitely critical. Absolutely. I would agree. Rugby or football? Oh, now that I live in Australia, I think I need to say Aussie rules football or footy (laughs) as they say here, particularly in Melbourne, people live and breathe for footy. It's on the nightly news every single night, (laughs) even in the off season. I love Um, it. And it's probably more similar to rugby or even soccer. So it's a fun sport. I'd I'd recommend getting involved and watching. I love it. Vegemite, yes. Vegemite, no. Hard no from me. I can't do it. I've tried. Same. Yep. (laughs) It's gross. Sorry. Sorry, Aussie friends. (laughs) Favorite furniture designer? I have to say Aero Saarinen, who of Mm. course was not only a designer, but an architect. My partner and I actually fell in love with his womb chairs when we were studying back in university. They were in our college library. So it's, we have one in our home. It's basically our baby, the pride and joy of our living. I love it. That's great. Well, I do those to get to know people better. And and that was very helpful. Thank you, Tori. And tell us why you are in Australia and what you do for well. Yeah. So if anyone is not familiar with the International Well Building Institute, we're leading the global movement to transform our buildings, our communities, and organizations in ways that help people thrive. So our well building standard is focused exclusively on the ways that buildings and communities and really everything in them can improve our comfort, drive better choices, and generally enhance, not compromise our health and wellness. I moved over to Australia about a year and a half ago. I provide technical support to key accounts and portfolios across Asia Pacific as they incorporate the well-building standard or the well-health safety rating into their environmental goals, their ESG goals, and their general workplace wellness goals. I did spend a couple years back in the New York office and then transferred here to help my colleague Jack and Michaela. We're now a team of three, but expanding quite quickly just because Australia really leads the market in many ways. Um, in workplace wellness and in building design and ESG more generally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the first thing I always ask everybody, especially this year is, how are you? And I mean, how are you with being in a different country with COVID? Just really like human to human, how are you? Yeah, thanks for asking. It's definitely been a tough year for many, I know. I'm of course an American, so have been following along all the challenges that are occurring in the U.S., but 
you know, feel quite fortunate that I've been able to stay in touch with family and friends. And then I've been here in Australia where we've had a pretty strong response in terms of government response to the coronavirus. And we've actually had zero cases here in Melbourne for over a month now. So That's it's incredible. quite a stark contrast. Um, <laughs> but it, it's really interesting just to see the different interventions that different countries and cities have taken around the world. And I also have felt quite fortunate coming towards the end of the year that I've been able to really throw myself into work. I think a lot of people at, at the International World Building Institute would say we've been incredibly busy, but incredibly passionate. I think there's never been more focus on health and wellness in the built environment. So happy to be contributing in a way that might give some options out of um, the state that we're in at the moment and perhaps change the future of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you're doing so well. I'm sure you're a little homesick, but as somebody who gets to travel to Australia quite frequently, if, if, I, if I weren't living in the U.S., I would be in Australia. I love it so much. Oh my gosh. Well, when borders open, you have to get over here. Hopefully we can have a juicy conference next year. (laughs) Absolutely. Hopefully we want to get back as soon as possible. But yeah, it's interesting. I feel like COVID has fast-tracked so many things that needed to happen anyway. And you know, I'm a huge proponent of well and have been for many years. I'm excited that this has brought to the forefront how important our environments are. And, you know, as we spend 90% of our time indoors now, it's just more important than ever. And I feel like there's so many things that well encompasses. And here I am going off script straight off the bat. Sorry, Tori, I can't help it. (laughs) But I feel like out of all of the things, one of the most important, I think, A, the human to human element is just beyond because of depression and suicide and loneliness and all that. I want to say that straight off. But I think out of like the physical elements of the building, I feel like air quality is the thing that just went straight to the top of the list. And I'm 100%. curious if, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, if you felt the same way. Um, and then the other thing that I hear a lot of people saying is, okay, so change my air filters more often like what else can I do because my landlord isn't going to replace that AC unit and I'm not going to pay to have my duct work cleaned because it's not my responsibility. So what else can they do? Yeah, so I, I completely agree. There's never been a greater focus on air quality. This is something that tenants are now demanding from their landlords, um, as you pointed out. It's also a conversation, very interestingly, that HR professionals are getting involved with. Ooh, They're good. turning to yeah engineers um, in the facility management team and asking what MERV filtration level is the building using because that Mm -hmm. has a direct impact on the well-being of the employees, which is what they oversee. So it's definitely something that everyone is now aware of. And it actually, it goes beyond just COVID. Yes, less than a year ago, we had unprecedented destructive fires in Australia. Oh Um, yeah, Then shortly after that, yeah, terrible. We had the Amazon really in flames. Then we saw the entire West Coast of the US in flames. Mm -hmm. I'm from California. It's still fire season there, oh, which is very scary. So scary. And yeah, it, it doesn't just destroy buildings. As we know, it, it impacts our health and wellness into the future. We don't even know to the extent of, of how damaging that can be. So buildings definitely do need to be better equipped with proper filtration and ventilation to serve as that first line of defense. I think it was really interesting that there were smoke alarms going off in the cities in Australia, even though the bushfires mm-hmm. were out um, you know, in, in the regional areas of Australia. And it's not only a health concern for smoke, but also acute health issues like viral disease. And then 
well has always been behind the research for the past, you know, decade Mm -hmm. around promoting overall wellness, productivity, and alertness day in and day out. So this has always been the case. The science has always supported those various realms of wellness related to air quality. And well has always required our projects to pass performance testing to demonstrate air quality thresholds. But of Mm -hmm. course, because people are now so incredibly aware of this, I think we'll see that air quality, it might be perceived as a trend, but it's really a human right. And I don't think the demand will really go anywhere now that everyone mm-hmm. is, is so intricately aware of these aspects. But to your question about what can be done, of course, if you're looking for a new office space, or if you are a building developer, you'll want to seek out MERV 13 or higher. That MERV level is basically correlated with the capacity to filter specific size of aerosols or contaminants in the air. So the higher the MERV level, the more efficient it will be. That can be integrated into the HVAC system directly or to your point, if you're in an existing building and um, it's very old and can't be upgraded, you can mm-hmm. use standalone filters. So something that's really interesting is the New York City School District actually committed to installing 30,000 um, air purification units, standalone filters. And we're seeing across the U.S. that becoming a solution because particularly in the education sector, so many of these buildings are quite old and they mm-hmm. need some sort of ability to filter out the particles that are kind of containing coronavirus and leading to issues in those buildings. Yeah, that makes sense though, because they are those older buildings. And if you Mm -hmm. can't fix the infrastructure, then putting a standalone system, I have standalone systems in my house. And actually my dad has um, a a very compromised lungs. And so he won't hear this hopefully until Christmas because I'm buying (laughs) him like this super expensive air purification Mm -hmm. for his bedroom. And actually I'm, I went and worked with that company to, to get a discount for juicy members as well, which is something that's coming because it's so important. Okay. So Tori, another thing that I wanted to ask you about is what are some of the new problems that well is currently trying to solve with design? Because I think, you know, I personally am pretty familiar with it and I'm constantly amazed when people are like, what's well. So if you could just, you know, Tell us a little bit about like, what are the things you guys have already been addressing and what are some of the new things you guys are looking at? Yeah, I think one of the things that you touched on there and and earlier in our conversation is the fact that well is so holistic. At the very beginning of the year, some of the challenges we were striving to incorporate into the standard included modern slavery, diversity and inclusion, which of course has been uh, really brought to the forefront of issues this year. Equity in general, domestic violence, even reduced red meat intake, which believe it or not, all of these elements can be impacted by workplace design and operations. Mm. And we did successfully incorporate these interventions into new well data features, as we call them. But I'd also be remiss not to point out that pretty early into the year, our organization made a massive shift to do our part to combat the spread of infectious disease in the workplace. This started with our team in China, who of course were in lockdown at the very beginning of 2020, Mm -hmm. back in January. And they began combing through the well building standard to identify all of the existing well strategies that could support the fight against COVID-19. And then as the pandemic impacted more and more communities around the world, we continued to receive requests to generate a rating that could be quickly implemented, was rigorous and evidence-based, just like the well building standard, but could be used to really tap into existing spaces and fortify them amidst the pandemic. In response to that market demand, we launched a global task force in March 
March of 2020, which Liz, you sat on as well. (laughs) Very exciting. And that task force helped us identify ways that well could actually be strengthened to fight against current and future pandemics. The task force had nearly 600 experts around the world, I think in over 30 countries, Mm -hmm. who provided critical feedback, specifically working to identify any gaps related to operations, management, and design. Best practice really to support recovery and resilience. And as a result, we launched the Well Health Safety Rating in July of 2020, which is designed to help organizations respond to COVID-19 to prepare their spaces for re-entry, but then also just to maintain future resilience into Mm -hmm. the future by being prepared for broader health and safety-related issues. So um, I must say I've been really heads down in that work (laughs) the past couple of months because there's been just so many organizations that have been tapping into this, particularly across very unique sectors. I think it's an exciting time that as an organization, Well is able to very quickly impact unique sectors. Whereas with the Well Building Standard, we have tapped into unique sectors, but the office sector has really been the driving force behind that. So it's been really interesting to see how really the whole world and all these different sectors can utilize health safety aspects at this time. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing program and kudos to you guys for getting it together and also for really crafting crowdsourcing experts from all over the world and giving us a place to bring our voice and also educating us. And that's just, it's just amazing to see how nimble you guys can be in a crisis, which is a hundred percent what we need. And that's why like, I'm such a fan and have always been a fan. Speaking of being a fan, I love that community is part of what you guys look at. And that's so huge and something we really try to foster in co-working and one of the core tenants. And, you know, you know, I've been talking about, you know, to me, physical health is a given. Everybody knows you need physical health. Like if you're not doing physical health, there's a mental health reason you're not doing it. Something's blocking you. And to me, you know, the thing that we need to really be looking at in addition to environmental health is mental health. So how can we help mental health through building design? Because people are always like, what? What are you talking about? And I'm like, well, A, we need to revolutionize design. And B, you absolutely can do something about it. A hundred percent. And I think we're seeing that mental health in the workplace is one of the key focuses. It was really becoming one of them before the pandemic, but has been catapulted because of the anxiety and the stress and the isolation that so many of us are feeling. So even before the pandemic, about a fifth of adults experienced a common mental health condition, whether that be anxiety, depression, or substance abuse every year. Mm -hmm. Um, And two thirds of those individuals are employed when they experience those issues. So clearly there's a huge opportunity for the workplace to get involved and to support the well-being of their employees or their members in the context of a co-working environment. Yeah. Um, but I think also beyond that, as you mentioned, it goes beyond just kind of those acute mental health issues, but also simply fostering that state of well-being to support people living to their fullest potential, to being happy, to coping with normal stresses of life, feeling productive at work and switching off after work and 
knowing that that's okay to do so. And so I think there's many ways that the well-building standard promotes facilitating mental health through design in our various mind and community features. Things that also come to mind really quickly are, of course, biophilia, having more plants around you, proper acoustics, proper thermal comfort so that Mm -hmm. you're not feeling distracted or uncomfortable in the workplace. I actually always in my well presentation share an example from Atoki Corporation in Japan that offered a actual meditation room for their employees to take meditation Mm -hmm. breaks throughout the day. And it's this beautiful space. It's very calm and tranquil. And I would put that on screens and it was always so interesting to see people's reactions that back in 2019, that's a pretty novel idea. They were really leading the charge, but clearly into the future, we need those types of physical amenities um, Mm -hmm. and also, you know, access to apps or services and support at work. And I would say looking at design as well, the biggest thing is just recognizing that one size doesn't fit all. Mm -hmm. We need to reflect that in design and workplace offerings. In other words, we should strive to provide diverse types of spaces and resources to meet the needs of your workforce. Of course, we know from research that there's different types of ways that people learn and work. Our mind concept lead, actually, Emily Weiner, recently gave a presentation to the organization on hyper versus hyposensitivity. Not Mm -hmm. sure if you've heard of kind of that research before, but it basically goes into this spectrum of people's ability to handle different stimuli. So the hypersensitive person is very sensitive to stimuli. They need very quiet spaces, calm, not a lot of clutter. They need soothing colors versus hyposensitivity would be the very other end of the spectrum. And those people actually prefer kind of a buzzing environment. If they had their choice, it'd probably be in a coffee shop. They love the open plan. Um, Mm -hmm. But of course, there's going to be people in your organization at all ends of the spectrum. So you should have those diverse spaces so that they have the opportunity to, you know, go into a phone booth or go into a corner. I myself, when I was in the open plan, would always have Bose noise cancellation headphones because I need the quiet in order to do my heads down work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, yeah, just offering that diversity of choice for your employees is critical. Yeah. And I think that that's where open plan gets its bad reputation is everybody thinks like, oh, open plan is bad and badly designed open plan is bad. But if mm-hmm. there's open plan with rooms for heads down work or maybe a sensory deprivation room or maybe a meditation room or maybe a group think room, like open plan isn't bad. If that's exactly. the only plan, mm-hmm. that is bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think something that plays a huge part into that, looking at the design aspects as well as Mm -hmm. acoustics. So if you can incorporate some acoustic treatments into the walls, Mm -hmm. um, into the ceilings, or even just sealing the doors more carefully and installing sound masking or using more absorptive furnishings and finishes, um, that goes a really long way. I've always been amazed. Why is there only one company in the world that I know of that's manufacturing basically furniture to be sound absorbing? Like that's the Mm-hmm. Like, what, where are you people? Get out there and make better <laughs> furniture. I've seen so, some really interesting, even light fixtures actually that yeah. are incorporating more cloth so that yes. if it's above, it's almost like a chandelier made of cloth mm-hmm. so that you can have your discussion with a couple people kind of huddled in a corner under this chandelier and it can block or absorb some of those sound waves from permeating yep. across the office. Yep. I know exactly which product you're talking about. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. One of the things I would love to know, who or where are you looking for for inspiration these days? Because I get such interesting answers when I ask this question. <laughs> I will say I'm, I'm quite lucky to work with experts on our standard development team across the 10 concepts of well. Um, mm. Everything from light to acoustics to water quality. I mentioned our mind concept lead who brought forward kind of the research into hyper and hyposensitivity. And so, you know, my colleagues are kind of constantly sharing these new ever emerging trends and, and mm-hmm. research in their different realms. But in terms of naming someone specifically, because I've been spending so much time in health and safety, I must say Dr. Joseph Allen, who's a professor mm-hmm. at the Harvard School of Public Health, has been such a leading voice in the world of healthy buildings at the moment. He's released so many informative and impactful articles. Every day I, I see something in the Washington Post or in the New York Times bylined by him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think his his quotes, his comments, and his advice mm-hmm. right now is just so appreciated in terms of what we all can do to support our health and wellness. Is he's one of the authors of Healthy Buildings? Yes. Yeah. That's oh, okay. His book. Yeah. I'm reading mm-hmm. that right now. Yeah. I thought that was him. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that book. It's quite something to read. I'm reading it in little chunks because it's so rich in research and information. And that is just what I'm super loving right now. I know. Mine's still in the mail with the shipping times from the U.S. I know. I saw <laughs> I'm Jack eagerly just got his. Mine. Yes. And I was like, it's so good. It's <laughs> <laughs> arrived before mine. I'm very jealous. Well, can you get it on Audible? Maybe you can get it on Audible and you can just listen idea. to it. Yeah, it's a great idea. And I can go on a little walking meeting while I exactly, listen to my recording. <laughs> exactly. You can like look at nature and listen to healthy buildings. Um, okay. So this is one I really wanted to ask you because so many people are working from home part-time, myself included, my desk is sit stand as that <laughs> I could show Very you, smart. but we're on the podcast, so it's not necessarily. But what is the one mistake, design mistake that we're all making at home that we really need to stop? My guess would be ergonomics. It's tough because it's often not accessible to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Leesman is a global workplace satisfaction survey provider, and they actually pivoted to provide a home or remote working survey at this time. And mm-hmm. their data has been showing that a lot of particularly younger employees have issues with their home workstations. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps part of that is they don't have the funds for proper ergonomic setups. Yeah. But another part of it is it's just a bit elusive. People don't necessarily have the resources they need to be able to, you know, situate their workstation. People forget it's a privilege to have space in your home to have a home office. Exactly. And, you know, there's so many products on the internet that will say ergonomic in the title, but aren't necessarily certified Mm -hmm. or approved. But so I, I did reach out to one of my colleagues recently to figure out how I could better configure my space. Mm. And she's a certified ergonomist. And she was saying that the biggest mistake is assuming that it's okay just to have your laptop and not mm. to invest in a monitor or an external keyboard or a mouse. Mm-hmm. So I very quickly ordered um, some online. And yeah. I'm pleased to say that there are many options that are below $100, mm-hmm. which 
is obviously much more cost effective than purchasing a true ergonomic task chair, which can be hundreds to thousands. Yeah. I think the other mistake I'm seeing, actually, it was funny. I was talking to a friend this weekend and she has these two beautiful daughters and she's got their desks right up against a wall. And I was like, you can't do that. That's so terrible for their eyes. I think the other thing that people don't realize is that you need a depth of field for your Mm -hmm. eyes. And if you limit that to a wall or just a monitor, that your eyes are going to really suffer from this and that you need to be able to see long distance from where you're sitting. Yeah. I think there's, I forget what the exact increment is, but I think every 10 minutes you're supposed to look up from your screen Mm -hmm. and look at something in the distance for 30 seconds, just so that your eyes can have Mm -hmm. that change of depth and perspective. Mm -hmm. And also I think the change of natural light, as you mentioned, not being against a wall, but having access to natural lighting to tap into your circadian rhythms and ensure that your hormone production isn't getting a lot of whack. Otherwise you might Mm -hmm. have some challenges with sleeping, even, you know, eating cravings. It'll just kind of disrupt your natural balance. Yeah. And you hear a lot of people are like, now they're like, oh, now I'm in the basement. It's like, well, are there windows? Like, (laughs) you know, that's being in the basement isn't the greatest. Yeah. If that's (laughs) the case, definitely. I hope those individuals are taking breaks to walk outside and get access to daylight at least every hour. Yeah, for sure. So um, another question for you, what workplace trend needs to like die today? (laughs) I think we tapped on it a little bit about the acoustics, but Mm. I would say that the aesthetic desire to have everything be concrete or hardwood is potentially dangerous in the sense that if it's not done properly and kind of done in combination with some absorptive or acoustic treatments, Mm -hmm. it can lead to a lot of acoustic issues because sound waves will bounce off of all of those hard surfaces. It'll lead to noise permeation across the office and the work, your workforce will just be incredibly Mm -hmm. distracted because of all the sound that's permeating across the space. Yeah, for sure. Now I'm a huge proponent and I've designed a lot of spaces. And and the good news is like, even if it wasn't designed great, you can fix it. There's so many Mm -hmm. different ways you can fix it, whether it be with electronic like pink noise or with these beautiful felt treatments that are available now. And they even like have amazing things you can print on felt now that's really cool. But also there's really economical ways to do this too. You can solve this very expensively or very inexpensively. Yeah, we definitely see that with our clients with Well. And one of the features I actually love is called sound mapping. So it's Mm -hmm. actually just positioning your space so that you have kind of the more collaborative zones or the noise your equipment on one end mm-hmm. of the office and then the more focused areas on the other end rather than kind of having them scattered throughout. It's yeah. a very simple solution, but people often don't consider that in early stages of design. It was really funny. I would like to tell you that this was all planned out by me and that it was my brilliance early on. But in my first co-working space, which was quite small, there was a standard height ceiling and half of it. And then the other half of it had a two-story ceiling. So we noticed that quite quickly, all the extroverts went to the higher ceiling, the introverts went to the lower ceiling, and the ambiverts hung out in the middle. So we put white noise down in the low ceiling, and we played music in the high ceiling. And it's like extra extroverts were down there having fun, partying, and then we've got the introverts <laughs> on the other work. side. And then in the middle, the ambiverts sat there and listened to when they wanted to tap in. And they would either walk 
walk over and dip in and then go back. It was really cool. I love it was that really case cool. study. How yeah. effective was the sound masking for the introverts? It was highly effective. But one of the things we found was when we came in the door in the morning, that's the first thing we turned on because people didn't notice it if it was turned on when they walked in. But if we forgot and did it later, people would complain about it. Interesting. Another Mm -hmm. interesting piece of research that I've seen, which I try to incorporate whenever I listen to white noise, I'll listen to nature white noise, is that Mm -hmm. apparently there's a a human instinct that goes, you know, way back in time that we're trained to actually hear water above everything else because Mm. water is so essential to life. Yeah. If you were, you know, wandering the forest, you need to find your water. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have a white noise system that can mimic the sound of water, it Mm -hmm. actually is more effective than just static white noise at blocking out everything else because our brains are so trained to hear that above everything else. Yeah, that's so cool. And I know from research that Polycom did that that's absolutely true. And you know what? It's funny. I was thinking about when you were talking about sensory deprivation earlier or, you know, the hypo and hyper, I went to Plantronics, a well-certified, amazing space in Amsterdam. And they had a room that was to listen to sound and because they're an acoustic company, basically. Mm -hmm. But you walk in and it was a kind of wraparound video and it was of snowfall. And I walked in there and I was like, I want this in my home. I want this in every co-working space. Because like you walked in and it was just this, the the kind of muffled sound you get in snow. And then it was just this beautiful snowfall. It was mesmerizing. I I would love to have that as a break throughout my work day. Oh my gosh, it was it was stunning. That was one of the most beautiful well buildings I've ever seen oh in my, my gosh. life. It was I love incredible. That. It was incredible. I have seen um here in Melbourne, Arup um, has an office, and Arup is a global mm-hmm. engineering and a workplace solutions firm, but they have a great acoustics team here in Melbourne and they have the same thing. It's this kind of padded acoustic room. And it's it's so amazing because I think acoustics is one of the most underappreciated elements mm-hmm. in workplace design. And they have the ability to say, okay, you want that material for your flooring. You want that material. You want that desk. Okay. And you have how many employees and they can perfectly tune a space so that you could actually Mm. hear based off of all the things that you're specking, kind of the level of noise in your space, which I think is just incredible to think about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So this will probably dovetail nicely into our next question is what current workplace trend are you most excited about for the future? Interesting. I would say I'm very excited to follow the development of the remote work flexibility. Mm. Um, I don't believe the office is dead. I don't think it ever will be. I don't either. But rather, and I think your Liz of anyone probably following this conversation very closely as well, but I think the intersection that can come of, you know, remote work flexibility with commercial offices and co-working and even hospitality is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, I read a recent Forbes article about this notion that there could be three spheres of the future office. So this would be more of a network office with combinations of workspaces, including Mm -hmm. a core office, and then your work from home strategy, and then this new kind of work near home office, which I think Mm -hmm. is going to be the future. And that's where co-working can really come in to kind of allow that flexibility for all of these workers that have over the past couple of years been moving regionally, but because of 
coronavirus have opted in to kind of move into more of the suburbs to have that space to avoid urban centers, but are still craving that connection. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think kind of the satellite or regional office is going to Mm -hmm. be a really interesting mix into the corporate sector in the future. 100%. And you're right. Office is going to survive. I think it's going to look more like meeting space, project Mm -hmm. space, needing to come together time. Mm -hmm. I think it'll still be in the urban core. I think that space will change greatly. And I think the the look of it, the feel of it will all change. I do agree with you. I think the suburban and rural and near to home is going to be huge. And, you know, at the core, the thing that changed was the choice went to the worker, which is Mm -hmm. super exciting because workers care more about their health than the corporations do. Mm -hmm. And so now... All of these things that are so important to human beings, not doings, beings are going to really come to the forefront. And I think what's exciting to me is the future we get to build for the next generations. That's that where where I heard from a person at Well very early on that I loved was they were like, "What if the building you were sitting in made you healthier?" Mm-hmm. That's where we need to go. Yeah, it's almost kind of flipping everything inside out and saying it should be a people first building rather than Mm -hmm. a building that can help people. So I think it's incredibly fascinating. I think just as you mentioned, now there's more power with the employee Mm -hmm. themselves because over the past five decades, really, populations have been expanding into suburban areas. We've kind of just accepted these long commutes as necessary. And Mm -hmm. um, with coronavirus, we know that we actually don't need to do that to be productive. We can have better work-life balance. We can be with our families more, have smaller Mm -hmm. commutes. But at the same time, I think it'll be nice to have that type of suburban or satellite set up so that, you know, if you need to see some of your more, you know, local colleagues, you can do that in a suburban office. You can still Mm -hmm. have that connection to people. You can switch off your work hours when you want to go back home. So I think it's incredibly interesting. And one of the really cool things I think we've seen from, you know, people spending more time in their regional areas and at home is the impact that it's had for the environment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen around the world that air pollution levels are dropping significantly because of the reduction in traffic and the reduction of movement. So I'm hoping that going forward that, you know, it'll be a focus on wellness and a desire to accommodate a more dispersed workforce, but also that that environmental piece will be critical as well. Yeah. I think, you know, even though this has been a, you know, really challenging, challenging time and COVID is a terrible pandemic that we've had to live through. The change that it's igniting around the world, I'm so glad I get to be a part of because I think we get to design better places and better spaces and better air and, you know, stop burning up our planet and start taking care of the humans in it is where it's at. I completely agree. I think it was Kay Sargent at, at HOK that recently said, you know, there's only so many events across history that really provide us with the opportunity mm-hmm. to drastically change things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really exciting to be in the workforce at this moment and to be be in a role where you're actually impacting these types of changes that will be reflected around the world in workplaces. Yeah. So 
yeah, I'm hoping it'll lead to some great changes. Kay is one of the other wonderful women we interviewed for this series. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have to listen to that section. You're in good she company, She always has amazing <laughs> insights. Yeah. Well, Tori, it's always great to speak with you. And I feel so privileged that I get to know you and that I get to work with well occasionally because you guys are really leading in a, an impressive charge in this world. And I'm, I'm so thrilled that we get to help educate people about it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to listen in on all the other speakers that you have. Thanks for rallying us all together. You bet. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Ciao. All right. Thanks, Liz. Bye. Thank you for joining us for Workplace Trends. I'm Liz Elam, and we will see you on the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a like. We'll see you next time.